All right, hello everybody. My name is Sean Christopher Jenkins, AKA Dr. J. Uh, welcome to Upload Past Crossroads, my YouTube channel. We are with our other fellow YouTuber here, uh, Justin Lee Howell, AKA Einstein. And we're here for, we're here to give you another Sunday school lesson from the International Sunday School lesson. Uh, I actually did this lesson yesterday for July 10th. Uh, no, yeah, July 10th, 2022. And so, uh, I wanted to do the lesson with Justin so we can pull out even more uh, truth, even more revelations, so that we can all buy each other and grow in faith and really benefit each other by just learning God's words. So I'm excited for this lesson because we had some fun on Sunday yesterday, and I know I'm going to have you more fun with Justin. So, yeah. So the lesson today is coming from John chapter 4, verse 46 through 54. and it's the story when Jesus heals the official son, right? So that's the title of the lesson. Another title for the lesson is uh, The Word Heals, which is my favorite title, Justin. The Word Heals, man. Like, that's so powerful because it went with John 1. So I wish we would have did a lesson on that, but maybe we'll come back to it. Um, that's what, I'm going to try to strive for that, going back to Isaiah 51 and John 1, just in my time, in, you know, in my free time, if we have any. But uh, anyways, with John 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word is God, right? So, and then also it says in verse 14 that the Word was manifested through the flesh. So through Jesus, it was manifested. It was seen, it was visible, everybody saw it. So the Word became flesh. That was verse 14. So, <laughs> so Jesus is the Word, man. The Word became flesh, it manifested itself. The Word heals, so Jesus heals, man. The word of God, which is Jesus's words, the words that come from Jesus's mouth, the words that come from God's mouth, it, they heal. It brings healed souls, man. It brings it brings it peace and it, it and it frees you from your shackles and your chains and from any bondage. Anything's keeping you bondage, man. So the word heals, like that title, man, got me. It gets me so excited. Like I couldn't believe that was the title when I first saw it. So it tied in with John one. Uh, for this lesson in John 4. So, yeah, you want to give a setting, though, for us, Justin? On, or uh, you can elaborate on that if you want, but on John sure. chapter 4. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm excited about the talking about the healing, too, because the, like, Jesus really, uh, Jesus really picked apart some assumptions that this nobleman had made as well about the limitations of his healing powers as well. But we'll get into that a little bit later. But just the setting for this right now, like for John 4, verses 46 through 54, uh, they're going back to Galilee. It's very interesting because at the time, Jesus was known as the prophet of Galilee. Like, he was actually never associated with Judea, even though he was born in Bethlehem, because that's, uh, like, he was born in Bethlehem, but that's not where he spent most of his life at. So most people knew him as the prophet from Galilee. And this was, this is kind of where he performed one of his first major miracles as well. And I love the um, I love the TV series The Chosen because it's really, it lays down the cornerstone of what that miracle kind of meant that we kind of, we kind of miss from the Bible until you see it acted out. But this is like one of the first miracles that Jesus performs at the request of his mother. Mm -hmm. And that laid down the foundation for everything because that's when 
he really started going. Uh, plenty of times you hear Jesus say, um, my, it's not my time yet, don't tell anybody. But like, of course, everyone's going to tell everybody. If you were healed or if you um, could suddenly see after a lifetime of blindness, of course you're going to like say something. Um, but we're returning to Galilee now um, just um, because this is, uh, we actually don't know why he went to Galilee went back to Galilee. I think one of his, uh, one of his disciples, like Nathaniel, I think lived in Galilee. Uh, it's theorized that maybe he, they were going for personal reasons. Um, maybe Jesus knew that Galilee was just full of Gentiles and full of people who really needed to be saved. No one really knows, but that's where our setting is right now. At the end of the verse, it says, this was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. Um, the first one was the turning water to wine miracle. Uh, right. But I think that's setting for now. But the I'm not sure how much setting you want me to give. But basically, the main character for this story is the nobleman or the royal official, depending what your translation is. Um, and just hearing from that, you can kind of assume that this is a Gentile as well. Um, gosh, there's actually a lot of things to say about that, too. Just to know mm -hmm. Jesus is, and I'll, I'll wait to hold off to say more about the healing because that actually plays into a part of like Jesus is healing because he's a Gentile too, but I'll hold off on that. But um, just the fact that he was uh, willing to save not just the Jewish, but potentially this Gentile as well, mm -hmm. just shows what Jesus's ministry is all about. Man, you said Gentiles twice, man, like with the Samaritans too. So, uh I know that the Jews avoided Samaria for some reason. I, I can't remember what the reason is. Um, very various reasons. Um, they were perceived as like a dangerous area. They worshipped in a different place than what the Jews considered as holy. So that uh, part of part of it's pragmatic. Part of it's like political. Right. Yeah. And and so uh, we know that through the Gospels that Jesus did the opposite of what all the rest of the Jews did. He actually went in and through Samaria. I don't know if it was a few times, but at least this time he did, right? And the disciples were like, what? Like, why are you going through Samaria for? And that's because, you know, people of Samaria, they needed a, the gospel as well. So I'm going to start off with verse 43. I kind of want to start off with verse 43 yesterday, but I didn't really have time. But I know I, we can work it out with you because it goes with your setting. It says in John chapter 4, verse 43, now he departed thence and went into Galilee. So he was in Samaria for two days, right? And so he did a lot of miracles there. There was much openness to the gospel. And so it said that Jesus went forth from there. So again, he's coming from Samaria, a success there. And where is he going to? He's going to Galilee. So that's the setting of the story, like you were saying. And so not only did the Samaritan woman get saved from the well, but other Samaritans got saved. They they told her that, you know, we don't believe because of what you said. We believe because we heard them first because Jesus said to her, you know, she she told the people, like, come and see a man that told me everything about myself. Like, <laughs> you know, so she the Lord and this was the Savior. And then also he was coming from the Feast of Passover. So I don't really remember that too well. Uh, it'd be cool if you did, but no worries. We don't have to worry about it. But uh, I'm going to read verse 44. Uh, For Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country, 
So I remember my dad said that scripture verse to me one time, and it's a proverb. And it's just saying that, you know, the people who respect you the least are the people who know you the, the most. Like, oh. <laughs> the, the people. Because, <laughs> man, that's, yeah. I, I have a lot of motorcycle buddies, too, who say that a lot because um, they, when they, when they, they come from, like, dark places in their life. But when they get saved, like a lot of people see, a lot of people see that change, but it's really hard for people um, who grew up with them to know that because they know every, yeah, they know like everything about you, especially like Jesus. That was tough because mm -hmm. for them, they're like the son of a carpenter, like sure. Or like, um, who was it? Nathaniel was saying like, surely like what could, what good out of like Galilee. Right. Yeah. What good come from Nazareth? Oh, Nazareth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I say Galilee too many times. But yeah, we know that the Galileans, they welcome Jesus as well. So uh, it's, Jesus isn't, isn't talking about them. He's really talking about just the Jews, though, that, that were in Galilee as well. So like, and uh, so we know from scripture verses, like in John 1, 11, we would have covered this last week probably, but that verse says, he came unto his own, his own received him not. So the very people who we thought would receive him, rejected him. And the very people who received him were the ones that we thought he would reject, right? So that's something else I want to point out with verse 44. There's a lot we could say with verse 44. I'm just going to keep on going. Uh, verse 45, I'll come back to that throughout the lesson, but are you ready to just get to the verses? Yeah, I'm ready when you are. All right, because I know verse 45, we're going to hit it, so I'm not even going to hit it right now. So mm -hmm. verse 40, you want to split it up? Yeah. Verses like two. So about nine verses, right? Yeah, nine verses. So you want to split up? I'll read five of them. Okay. What else you want to read five? You want to start off reading? Uh, you can start off. I'll finish this up. All right. So Jesus came, uh, John chapter four, verse 46. So Jesus came unto, Jesus came again into Canaan of Galilee where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. The nobleman said unto him, Sir, come down, or my child will die. Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thou son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. Man, there's a lot to say. Uh, there's a lot to say about Jesus's healing powers with this. I do yeah. want to jump into this. You want to do it ver verse by verse again? Yeah, we'll go verse by verse. And if you just feel compelled to go somewhere else, just go somewhere else. Don't, okay. don't, don't, don't hold back. Uh, so, verse forty-six. So Jesus came into uh, into Canaan of Galilee, where he made the water wine. 
So it told us the first miracle he did. We saw in verse 54, this again, the second miracle that Jesus did. So the second miracle he did in, in, in this, in Cana of Galilee is when he heals this nobleman's son, right? So let's go back to verse 46 in John chapter four, where he made the water wine and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. So you want to talk about the nobleman for the setting. So let's just go ahead and talk about him to paint a good picture. So we know that a nobleman, let me go to that section. I have so much notes, man. So the term nobleman speaks of someone who's associated with a king. We just don't know what capacity, and we're not told at what capacity he serves at, you know, for the king. But we know because he's a nobleman and because he serves the king, he's a person of power, of status and influence, right? And he has wealth, right? <laughs> so, so this man has the resources to do a lot. Uh-huh. Right. So and he has he has a lot. So anybody in the days, just the equivalent of that is just somebody with a lot of money that's a celebrity that serves in a political office or something. Like they make a lot of money, man. Like to do nothing, just to argue, right? And get nothing done. But anyway, like what I can keep on talking about politics, but I'm I'm let's just keep on going. But so like this man, like when it comes to trying to get find healing for his son, man. He utilized all his resources. He exhausted all his resources. We have to picture that because this is his son that's coming closer and closer to death. So obviously he's going to do whatever it takes to get him healed with all the resources that he has. But we know even with doctors, doctors can't save everything, right? Doctors can't heal every disease. Some diseases are incurable, right? But are and, so, and doctors are what they can really do. And they make mistakes too, right? So like doctors don't know everything. They don't have the answers for everything. Light doesn't have all the answers for everything. Uh-huh. But only one person does, and that's Jesus. That's the life of vocation, man. Like when you exhausted all your resources and tried everything you could possibly try in life, try Jesus, man. And that's what this man did, man. Like during the Sunday school lesson, somebody asked a question and they said they they really made a statement they you know this nobleman really never believed you know and we know in this text it says it twice that the man believed right but like he's really at the beginning of the story when he went to jesus like just going to jesus because we know that it's a 20 mile walk to from uh galilee to can to from canaan or galilee to uh where is he coming from again uh capernaum right Capernaum, yeah. So, because no man's from Capernaum, so Capernaum, he, the no man traveled from Capernaum to uh, Cana of Galilee to see Jesus, which was twenty miles away. And right. something, yeah, something that says something about his faith as well is the fact that he's a nobleman. He has status. Like mm-hmm. this could hurt his status. It could hurt his political standing if they saw him going someone like so divisive as Jesus as well. Wow. Like that, uh, the nobleman right now has what you would call crisis faith. It's faith that comes when you have like nothing else to lose pretty much. So that's where he's at. Like his faith is going to evolve. Maybe that's what people are saying is like, maybe his faith is only because he has nowhere else to go. Uh But still the fact that he came to Jesus means like he had a lot of faith for it. Right, man, you killed it, man. Like nobody said that yesterday at all. Like that is so powerful, right? Cause we know that he's a Gentile and Jesus is a Jew. What are you gonna say? Two mistakes. And his assumptions, though, that hurt his faith a little bit. It didn't hurt his faith. But yeah. one of them 
was saying, thinking that Jesus had to come with him to heal his son. The second one was, um, oh, what was I thinking before this? The second one was that it yeah, his powers right. Oh. What's that? I was going to help you out. Oh, that, that his son had to. This, that is, he had to be healed before his son died. Yeah, to I was going to say. That. To be fair, Jesus hasn't uh, brought anyone back from the death at this point yet, so no one knows he can do that. But those were like two mistakes that um, the nobleman made that Jesus was able to rectify, like rectify his thinking very quickly. Right. Right. You know, you know what? I might as well just go ahead and go there. Uh, two places that you just went to. So, first one is, you said that uh, the Jews, uh, the no man's a Gentile. Jesus is a Jew. So that's contradiction right there with the no man's influence in his political party, whatever you want to call it. Like his at his position, his culture, they probably will look down at him for going to Jesus, right? And Jesus too for even helping out a Gentile, right? So here goes the question and life application for us. You know, what are you willing to do in order to seek Jesus, right? So yesterday I talked about how like the nobleman was inconvenienced, right? In multiple ways. Like he had to take a 20 mile trip to see Jesus. Like we don't know if he took a horse, like he had the resources to see Jesus and he used those resources in order to get to Jesus. But either way it goes, 20 miles, like it takes a minute, man. It takes like seven, at least seven hours, eight hours, maybe 10. I don't know. It'll take a minute right, to get somewhere in 20 miles, depending on if you walk or run and how fast you're going. So are you willing to do the same thing with Jesus, though? Are you willing to, to utilize your resources to do whatever it takes in order and, and to use whatever time that you have allotted to you to in order to get to Jesus, right? So another question I have is, you know, do we allow inconvenience to deter us or keep us from Jesus? So a lot of, another application is, it's like so many people aren't involved in Bible studies, life groups, in, in the church at all. Like that guy I talked about uh, at the movie theater that was at, just talking to me about the Bible. He had all that energy, man. Do that in the church. I don't got time for that. Do that in church. <laughs> so because of the inconvenience to your weekly routine, you don't want to be involved in anything that's godly, anything that, you know, to build a kingdom or anything like that. You just want to do what you want to do. Let me piggyback on what. Because what you just said is really important for verse 48. Jesus was okay. saying, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. Like Galilee, like not just Galilee, everybody. We follow that seeing is believing thing. Um, but like this man, this royal official, this nobleman didn't have to see anything to like believe Jesus at the time. But we use that as an excuse all the time of like, depending on our carnal senses in order to believe something. Uh, when we should be like using our spiritual sights to actually see uh, see these things. But even if we saw something, I think we just use it as an excuse. Like deep down, I don't think we want to believe these things. So we say, oh, I won't, I won't believe anything until I actually see it or until I have like empirical data. Like it right. is good to be critical about the things you believe in but we can't use stuff like this as an excuse of, oh, I just don't have time to like go to uh, life groups. I don't, um, I don't really need to go to Bible studies. Um, you, mm -hmm. you, don't get to, you don't go, you don't go to heaven by going to church. Those are excuses. Same with seeing is believing that like 
some I remember someone was saying, uh, well, if God is real, why doesn't he just like make a message in the clouds to say, hey, I'm real. But like <laughs> if that happened, I bet we would come up with all kinds of excuses like, oh, well, that was like some weird atmospheric conditions or yeah. swamp gas. I don't know, whatever. But mm-hmm. like, like this is the thing Jesus is critical about is like. He's saying, like, unless people saw his miracles, even people who saw his miracles still didn't believe he was the son of God or anything, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Like, to be fair, if Jesus were around nowadays, like, he'd be getting the same treatment. People are always saying, oh, if God exists, he should, like, show himself more. But, like, he's giving the right, he's giving us the right amount of choice in our lives to make that decision ourselves. Like, we've already been given all the proof and the data. We just mm-hmm. need to decide on a spiritual level how we're going to take that. But no, mm-hmm. I, I I feel like what you said really vibes with what Jesus was saying at 48. Like we, sometimes we just use those excuses not to believe in things. Mm-hmm. Man, you just hit so much, man. Like one thing, you remember in Corinthians, I don't know what chapter it was. In Corinthians, First Corinthians, we talked about how the Israel, Lights were in the wilderness and they um even they disobeyed god yeah. and they were baptized yeah. you know what i'm talking about i can't yeah. remember which chapter that is but that ties in with what you were saying i just want to i want to go there <laughs> but it, it, it's like way off track but it still applies oh, i think i found it yeah here it is it's first corinthians chapter 10 it says moreover brethren I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, right? So everybody had was under God's protection. So under the cloud, everybody had the presence of God that were the Israelites, and they all passed through the sea. So they saw signs and wonders. They saw miracles, you know? They saw God at work, and they experienced just God's awesomeness and goodness. And all were baptized under Moses in the cloud and in the sea. So because of this experience, this was a baptism. This was God, them symbolizing that they're God's child, that God is, that God is their God and, and you know, the, the opposite. I was gonna, forgot what I was going to say. Let's go to verse 3 of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And did all eat the same spiritual meat, so they ate manna from heaven. So food from heaven, manna, bread. In verse four, and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. So no matter if you're saved, no matter what what you've done for God, no matter works you you have going on, there's a penalty for sin, right? And even the Israelites who experienced all of this, all these signs and wonders, all God in the wilderness, like when they were thirsty and they saw Moses hit the rock and water came out, like they were being fed in the wilderness. They experienced a lot of miracles, right? So verse six, now these were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, neither be adulterers as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play, neither let us come you know, commit fortification. Why? Because God's not deceived. You know, he he can't be mocked. You know, there's a penalty for sin. There's a penalty for being disobedient. So, yeah, I forgot why I said that. (laughs) But, right, 
I don't even remember no more. But yeah, let's go back to. I want to go to forty-eight, but I think we finished. We did a good job with forty-six. Did we need to say something with forty-seven? Uh, in John chapter four, when he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Yeah. Did you have anything for that one? I do like how it was, um, and it kind of ties into later verses, but I like how he begs Jesus. So it's like, even when Jesus kind of, even though it sounded like Jesus was rebuking him, which he wasn't, he was just talking about the conditions of the people of Galilee. Even when it sounded like Jesus wasn't going to help him, he still like beseeched him some more because his kid was dying. So I like the part that he was just begging Jesus because you're right, like, he had a bunch of resources. He, he was probably at the end of his rope at this time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the points I have uh, is your emergency is, is Jesus's opportunity. So uh, this nobleman, you know, he was he had a sense of urgency, like he was frantic and he needed something done. Like his son was getting closer and closer to death. He was at the point of death at this point. So at any point, his son could have died. So you know, he needs this to happen now, right? So he came to Jesus anxious anxious and fearful and worried. And there's so many scripture verses like Philippians 4, 7 that says, you know, do not worry, do not be anxious about anything, but through prayer and petition, you know, present your request to God and he'll give you the peace of God. So this guy received the peace of God, you know, through going to Jesus. So so after he he's, we're going to see him going to Jesus and after Jesus just gives him a word, he receives peace and rest. So we're going to break that part down because that's kind of like behind the scenes. You kind of got to study the story in order to get that. Another point I had is, you know, Jesus is never in a rush. You know, this guy was frantic and worried, but Jesus wasn't. You know, he had he already knew what was going on. He already knows your situation and, and how you feel and everything. All you have to do is go to him and he's going to take care of you. Right. So. Um, another point I had too was, you know, we talked about the nobleman, like how he's a man of prestige and power and influence and, and wealth and renown and all that stuff. Right. But uh -huh. another point I had was the greatest men will, when they come to God must come before him. As, so every knee must bow and every tongue must confess that Jesus is Lord. No matter who you are, no matter what you are, no matter how high you are, how low you are, you're not too low to praise God. You're not too high to praise God. Everybody must praise the Lord. We talked that with Psalms 148. So mm -hmm. another point is, you know, we see his great respect for the Lord Jesus because, first of all, he called him sir. And sir, translated in other verses, means Lord, right? Yeah. So uh, so that means he he saw Jesus for who he was. You know, Jesus isn't just, uh, you know, your Savior. He's your Lord, too. You obey everything he says to do, right? He's your savior and your Lord. So is that true for you? So this guy humbled himself before the Lord. Like that's the first step. Like there's so many scripture verses that says, humble yourself before the Lord, right? And then he will exalt you. Then you can see his miracles. If you're not humble, what's God going to do with you? God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You got to be humble when you come to God. And then he can act on your behalf. That's why he acted on his behalf. He was humble in so many ways. Right. So we this is a man of faith right here. This is what a man of faith looks like. This is the Christian life. This is how we come to Jesus. You need to recognize who he is before you come to him. So we see his great respect for the Lord Jesus that he will come himself to plead with him. He didn't send a servant, he didn't send a friend, he didn't send his messengers, he didn't send none of them. And he had all of them, right? Which most kings and most people in his position do, 
you know, for many reasons, to send their servants to go somewhere. But no, he wanted to go himself. And maybe he went because, you know, he's a portion of authority, so he could have demanded Jesus to help him. But he didn't. He asked. He pleaded. He begged. Right. So, like, <laughs> man, this this was so powerful on so many levels. There's so much to learn with this nobleman. Just just from that those verses, right? So yeah. you're good at 48. Yeah, I think so. All right. So verse 40. Oh, yeah, you already said that one. Then Jesus said unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe, man. So God, uh, one of the sermons I would have had was is uh, God is trying to stretch your faith. So I talked about exercising your faith, man. Like working out. Man, my body's getting toned, man. And what I'm figuring out is the more I work out an area, the more blood flows to that area. So the more veins are going to pop out. The more I do it. But the less I do it, the less shows. The, 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 if I don't do it at all, it just goes away, right? So, and same thing goes with your face. Same thing goes with this Christian walk. It needs to be exercised. You need to stretch it. I mean, you got to stretch before you work out. Otherwise, you're going to pull a joint. You're going to pull a muscle, especially when you get old. You can't just do what you used to do when you were younger, right? So the same thing goes for here. So some of my points is the way to strengthen your faith is to exercise your faith. Jesus will add more weight to the nobleman's faith. Why? Because this emergency will be an opportunity to strengthen the nobleman's faith in his household, right? It will benefit his whole household like we're about to see. So, uh, yeah. And then something else I want to say, too, you know, uh, is are you more interested in the person of Jesus? We're in the power of Jesus. So it's talking about signs and wonders, man. So while this rebuke is spoken to the official, right, it's really addressed to those standing around. Because one thing we know about Jesus is he always uh, had a crowd following him mm-hmm. because he was so entertaining. Like, think about it in that time period. You didn't have television. You didn't have movies. You didn't, you didn't have a lot of stuff that we have. Netflix, streaming. Like, come on. That's boring. So, like, <laughs> they couldn't even read. Like, that's awful. So what can you do? Skip rocks in the water? You can only do that for so long, right? So if you see a man that can heal the blind, you see a man that can heal the sick or heal anything, raise people from the dead, you're going to follow him, man. That's entertaining, right? Yeah. So And that's what they did with him, man. So many people were following him only because he performed miracles. And Jesus knew that about the crowd. So he's really addressing them instead of the guy. He was doing something different with the guy. So, yeah, and... That's one thing I was going to say, too. You know, some blessings are only for you. And sometimes God chooses to bless you behind closed doors. Right. So some things ain't meant for everybody to see. Right. A lot of people like to get clout and like to brag and they want to be seen and acknowledged and noticed. But, you know, the man, the no man's already get, gets all that. He don't need no more of that. Right. So Jesus said, you know, I'm going to do something different with you. I'm going to give you a word. Right. We're going to talk about that, too. When God gives you a word, when God speaks, man. Man, this is good as his presence. Uh, I just spoiled a point. But, <laughs> uh, man, I got so much to say with 48, though. But another thing is, no, I got one more thing. Another thing to say is, like, an analogy. You know, some people treat God like a genie. You know, they only take him off the shelf when they want something and when they want to make a wish. And that's not how God wants to, you to treat That's not a relationship with God. God wants a relationship with you. He yes. really deeply cares about you. And if you're his child, like the Bible says, God says you're his child, right? And so if you're his child, imagine your child in real life only went to you when you wanted something, uh, when they wanted something. That's the only time they ever went to you was when they mm-hmm. want something. And that's the only relationship you ever have with your child. That would suck. Like, yeah. it's so annoying. And some people treat God like that. How do you think God feels, right? 
Oh, come on, man. We got to have a relationship with him. We got to show him that we love him too, right? We yeah. have a part to play, right? So, yeah. Did you have anything you want to say? Yeah, I mean, when Jesus said, "I, um, you have to drink of my blood and eat of my body, like, that drove people away really fast. Like, you, you definitely saw, like, who was for Jesus at that time. And kind of... I, I love that you actually pointed that out, too, because I didn't even think about that. But, yeah, a lot of people from Galilee were probably just, like, there for their own amusement or for their own benefit. They think, if I could, um, if I could like, uh, touch his cloak or if I could, like, follow him around, like, I would be prosperous. I would be successful and all mm -hmm. that. But they completely missed out on, like, what Jesus was about, for sure. Right. But this man, like, this the nobleman's request is like deep in his soul. Like it's really digging into why Jesus was here. And it was because of healing. Yeah. All right. You ready for 49? Or you got anything else you want to mention? No, I'm ready to go. All right. So verse 49 of John chapter four, the nobleman said unto him, sir, come down or my child will die. And you mentioned that before. The known man literally thought and was limiting how what Jesus could do. Mm -hmm. Like he didn't know God has power over death. Yeah. Right. Some people still don't know that, right? Mm -hmm. It's hard. It's hard to know when you're in that situation. Yeah. Right. So But don't we don't we make the same perceptions of God's ability as well? One, we think maybe we're too far gone. Like we're past the point of healing. We're spiritually dead. Like nothing. Jesus, God, they can't do anything. No point in praying. Um, and then the second, like, they think it can't be instantaneous. Like, we think, oh, well, it's like, a, I mean, and healing does take time. Don't get me wrong. I think two mistakes we kind of make, and they're kind of on the opposite spectrum, is one, we expect God to be a genie in the bottle and answer our prayers right away when mm. it could be a process. Or two, on the opposite side, we don't think God can be there for us right away. We think we have to get our life in order before we can get that healing and before we can become a good Christian. So I, I think the nobleman represents the limitations we put on God in a modern setting. Yeah. Okay. And then I have I have a few other points. Like one commentary said, tragedy involving the life of a loved one often brings people to Jesus. Uh -huh. So yeah, death brings us closer to Jesus a lot of times. Loss and just anything bad in life, hard times, rock bottom. Like, but we come on, it, it should be good times too, right? But people limit it. That's just the way it works. That's why you everyone if you ever wanted to know why bad things happen to good people and why bad things happen that's why because it brings you closer to god that's the only time you ever rely on him because if life was all perfect and hooky dory for you you definitely wouldn't ask for anything so <laughs> and so uh another thing is here goes some other points oftentimes we don't see our needs until we experience pain and we don't see our need until we have pain so uh telling god what to do and how to do it is a sinful presumption as well. So I will talk about needs versus wants. So the crowd want to see something. So they wanted something, but it wasn't what they needed the most, right? And then the man, the nobleman, he wanted Jesus to do something, but it wasn't what he needed the most, right? 
So God knows your, what you want, but he also knows what you need. And he knows your needs better than you do. So God only cares about meeting your needs, not what not you can't take care of your wants and what you <laughs> and your uh, sinful desires. So, yeah. And then also uh, what we learned from verse 48, no, 49, uh, the nobleman asked him twice to heal his son, right? Because the first answer Jesus gave him was, you know, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Second time he asked, he says, go and thou son will live. That was Jesus' response. So the nobleman asked Jesus twice. So imagine if the nobleman just would have just walked away after the, the first time asking Jesus from that first statement. Like, no, you don't. You don't do that with God. Like a lot of people do that. Like <laughs> you, you're supposed to keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. That's Matthew chapter seven, verse seven through eight. You know, asking it shall be given. Seeking you should find. Knock on the door, door will be opened to you. Verse eight says, keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking, and you will find it. You, the door will open for you. You know, the answer will come to you. But that's how you go with, how, that's how God operates, right? And that kind of pertains to the persistent widow story. She had to keep on going to an unjust, unholy judge. And the whole point of that story was the widow eventually got what she wanted from somebody that doesn't even care about God. He has no fear of God, no fear of man. It's a wicked man that still gave her what she wanted only because she was persistent and annoying. So imagine how lo- how a loving and caring father who's just holy and, and really cares about you and, yeah. and that's not wicked, what he will do for you if you just ask him and you persistently go to him, right? Uh, so what's he going to do for you? He knows all your needs and your wants. Like, so guys, you know, th- he's going to answer your prayers. And so that's the nobleman again. That's the life of faith. You keep on going to Jesus. You keep on going to God and asking him for a breakthrough, asking him to make a way for you out of no way when you don't see a way. And then God's going to act on your behalf just like he did for the nobleman. So that's what we get right there. That's another application of repeated prayers and praying the same prayers. So a lot of times people look down at people for praying the same prayers, but it ain't bad. It's not a bad thing. So, yeah. yeah. Did you have anything you want to add? I'm no, gonna... I like, yeah, I'm I'm sure he asked more than two times. I guarantee. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's really important to point out is that, um, like, it's, I don't want to say it's like testing our faith, but I think God really wants us to realize how important something is. If we only ask something once, like was it probably really important to us to begin with? But when we're put in a corner, like we're going to realize how important something is. And of course, we're going to like ask over and over. And like Jesus, uh, as far as I remember, a lot of his big healings don't happen when Right, uh, when they ask him once, usually they he digs into their faith first because Jesus isn't all about just doing outward healing, he wants to make sure that they're here that they're healed inwardly as well. Mm-hmm. So they want to, like, he's he wants them to realize the change God can make on the inside as well. So that's why Jesus has to dig into these questions, he's not. Uh, well, maybe he's kind of weeding out the uh, superficial people, but like he's also trying to find, um, he's also trying to find the people who really believe that he they can be healed. Like that's the 
for Alcoholics Anonymous, that's the first rule is to recognize that you have a problem. And that applies to anything. We have to recognize that we're sinners as well. We have to recognize that we have to lean on God for these type of things. We have to realize that it's not our power that we have to lean on. We have to go to Jesus for these things. Yeah. Man, you killed it, man. You're preaching, man. <laughs> I'm going to keep on going. But I have a sermon idea just from what you said. The sermon idea is, does it really matter to you? Right, mm-hmm. going to God. If you went to God repeatedly asking Him for something, obviously it matters to you, right? But if you don't ask Him, if you only ask Him once, apparently you don't really care about it, right? Like it didn't really matter to you. Yeah. If you worry about something every single day, like come on, man. <laughs> and the application for that is like Abraham and Sarah. They prayed for a kid, and now yeah. they got a nation. Like they got way more than what they prayed for. Hannah too in the Bible. She eventually got Samuel. Like for years, and Panetta made fun of her. But yeah, there's a lot of stories in the Bible. Let's keep on going. You mentioned earlier, uh, you know, two mistakes the nobleman made. You know, he believed the presence of Jesus was necessary to receive healing, and then the second one was, you know, the power of Jesus is limited to dying, right? So he didn't think that Jesus could heal his son or raise his son for the dead or anything. If his son died, it was over, right? Yeah. So one point I had was, you know. Uh, yes, Jesus promised to heal the man's son, but not in a way that the man wanted him to do it. And that's the whole point. Like a lot of times God, he may not come in the way that you want him to. He may not get you, he get what you want to happen done in the way that you want it to happen. Like everybody wants a straight line to their goals. Just a straight, perfect line. But honestly, it's going to be ebbs and flows. It's going to be all over the place in order to get to that final destination. Why? Because you got some growing to do. God wants to exercise and strengthen your faith. And that's what he's doing with the nobleman, man. So, you know, the nobleman said to Jesus, come, Jesus said, go, right? So it's better for Jesus to stay for them and for the nobleman to go, that faith would grow, right? It was all about the nobleman's faith. And that's what the whole point of the story is, right? Like Jesus didn't care about the crowd. Like he wasn't worried about the crowd. He was worried about the nobleman. And where he still with God and his relationship with God, with him, with himself, right? So he said, you know, Jesus refused the man request and Jesus gave the man his word instead, right? So the man's desperation wanted Jesus to be right next to him. He wanted to see a sign of wonder. He wanted, he wanted to bring Jesus home with him, you know, right next to Jesus to the destination and everything, go to the door with Jesus. And he wanted Jesus to Get, put his hand on his son, right, to see a sign of wonder. So he wanted to taste, feel, sense, touch, measure, you know, everything that Jesus was going to do, right? Mm-hmm. But Jesus refused to go, guys. Like, so he chose to simply speak, right? <laughs> so Jesus refused the man request in a way that he asked in order to teach the crowd, this man, and us something better, something that's better than signs and wonder, wonders, right? Mm-hmm. Something that's better than what we can merely see. And that's the whole point, man. Like, there's so much to talk about when it comes to faith. What is faith, right? Like, Jesus wanted this man to live by faith. He told him to go, right? Let's go ahead and go to that next verse. Uh, Verse 50, Jesus said unto him, go thou way, thou son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way, right? So, man, like, instead of Jesus going with him, like he said, like the man said, come, right? Jesus said, you know, your son's healed, go. Like, you know how much faith the guy would have to have for that? 
Yeah. <laughs> That's I, the whole point. I, I kind of want, yeah, because the, the verses make it sound like he just, like, he left, like, uh, he believed instantly. I do kind of wonder, mm-hmm. like, if he actually believed him. But he must have believed him if he if he left eventually. Yeah. And he must have believed him if the verse said it. The verse said that uh, the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. So that does take a Yeah. If anyone was questioning his faith, I feel like that speaks volumes of his faith. But he, he stopped because he was begging for his son to be healed. Right. If he decided to like leave, then he must have really believed Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to say like uh, it's seeing believing, right? You know that saying that everybody thinks you have to see to believe. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> if God did this, then I would believe, right? Like God, you know, faith. You don't need to see in order to believe. You already have God's word, right? So literally the whole point of this story to me and what I got from the story was, you know, you don't need the, this man wanted the presence of God, of God. He wanted to be in Jesus' presence physically. He felt like, he felt like Jesus had to physically be there with him, right? But instead Jesus gave him a word, right? And, he, and the man had to believe the word that Jesus gave him and live by faith and act on that word and obey it and just go like Jesus said, in order to see his miracle, right? Yeah. So he had to obey God in order to see his miracle, right? But he had to have faith in the word that was given. So God has already given given us a word, right? And that's the whole point of this lesson, man. Like all you need is a word from God. And all, all we need is for him to speak. So he, he has already given us his word. He's our, he has already spoken. You know, it's already done. Right. You have already over everything you will ever experience in this life. So the life application is, you know, like this man, you know, we want Jesus to come to Capernaum, Capernaum with us. You know, we we want Jesus to do a certain thing in the way that we want him to do it. Right. But, you know, and we want God to answer us in ways we can measure. And we want him to be with uh, us in the way that, you know, you want him to be with him and everything like that. But, you know, what does Jesus often do? situation you know god literally does something better right god yeah. knows what's best man so you know he he, he gives he get he gave the man a word like his word is just as good, good as his presence man so mm-hmm. another one i had was oftentimes come to god with the preconceived idea of how he should answer our prayers mm-hmm. and a preconceived notion of how he should bless us mm-hmm. right so we miss out on seeing and experiencing god like for example naaman going to elijah to be healed of his leprosy right? He had already an idea how Elijah should do it. But, but Elijah told him, you know, go to the Jordan River. You know, and the guy said, I would never go to the Jordan River. Imagine he didn't go at all. You know, he would never have been healed. Like, sometimes God's going to tell you, do something a different way. And you got to be okay with that. That's humbling yourself like this man did. This man humbled himself and he had to obey this word that God has spoken over him. Like he could have, just imagine he would have stayed. He would have missed out on the miracle. Mm. Like <laughs> he had to literally yeah. leave in order to see it, right? He had to walk by faith, not by sight, in order to see it, man. So like, there's so much to talk about with that part, man. Like it's crazy. Did you have anything? I was talking forever, man. Oh no, you're good. I was just uh picking up everything you're saying. Oh okay. Yeah, let's. Dang, I I didn't even. I forgot we read verse fifty. Yeah. So one another. 
point I had was, you know, Jesus is more interested in what the man believes. And then healing may not come in the same way that you wanted it, right? Mm. So that goes back to a lot of points I said. And then also, like, here goes the good stuff. Faith is not just an emotion, right? It is an action, right? Mm. So like this man, imagine, Jesus, I know he was mad when Jesus said, go without son living. Like, you know, or maybe, you know how when God speaks, you know, it just, when he speaks, he doesn't have to say much, right? Because everything that needs to be possibly said with what he says is said, right? So it, all the directions you can go with, there's a lot of directions you can go with when, when, he, when he speaks, right? You don't have to say much mm-hmm. because it's just understood, right? You get what I'm saying? <laughs> so when Jesus said, go that way, thou son, that means a lot, right? Mm. It's not just limited to just, just one thing, right? So yeah. uh, man, I, has, I had a lot of points, but. Living by faith. Let's talk about that. So what does it mean to live by faith? Just believe God uh, that what he has said is true. You believe in him, believe in what he can do. Right. So Jesus offered this man a chance to walk by faith. And we we get Jesus as we believe in him. Right. So, yeah, faith is a gift of God. So it doesn't come. It's like literally a gift of God, God, guys. So, and a belief is a gift of God. So, if you believe in the word, you know, thank God, man. So, yeah. And then something else I want to say was, you know, go that way. It was testing again the officials' uh, faith in Jesus's promise, right? And so that's the life application for us. Like God has already given us promises. He, he has already told us and gave us everything we need in His. It's, the word has already been given to us like this man no man went to jesus for a word that's essentially what he did right and jesus has already given us a word through everything we will ever experience in this life man and it's up to us to believe his word you know instead of having to ask him to do something else basically you you, you know what i'm saying so yeah yeah. but yeah oh go ahead oh no um actually i just fine yeah i think that's really important to realize too is we we just can't put god in a box a lot of times as well um but i i just like the development of uh his faith as well because that shows like the his son wasn't the only one that was being healed like the noble man was being healed as well like first he had a crisis faith so like he he had nowhere to go he had to believe in jesus like there was no other option he had to this was his last chance then when his servants came, he had a confirmed faith. So then uh, suddenly it became to something he had to believe in, to something that um, this was a part of his life that has been changed forever. Um, and then it became like a confident faith. Like he was able to, uh, if Jesus was able to heal his son in this way, then he must be, he must be like someone you have to believe in like his faith was so strong that his whole household believed in him, in him as well. So just like the development and the growth of his faith, I think is very intentional for these scriptures because it's very intentional on God and Jesus's part that his faith would uh, continue to grow. The miracle didn't stop when his son was healed. The miracle kept growing in that the seeds were planted in this household and like mm-hmm. someone of high status, like someone, and who knows, like maybe this miracle kept on going as well. Maybe like the rest of the court or 
the people he lived with in Capernaum um, also um, also received more healing and more miracles. I I want to say Capernaum is actually really important because um, there's like a century or centurion who also asked Jesus to heal his, I think like heal his son. Um, so I don't know. Like I wonder if these stories are related because they're both from Capernaum and they both asked Jesus to heal from a distance. So I don't know if there's any relevance to that, but you kind of see uh, the miracle not just stop at physical healing, but it's a spiritual healing as well. Yeah. Yeah, I want to give... That's a time when you can't just assume what God is going to do for you. He's going to do a lot more for you. Yeah, I'm going to give some more points. Like This is what I was trying to find. I'm trying to find the good stuff. So, mm. uh, Faith begins with taking Jesus at his word, right? That's where faith begins, right? So that's another life application. Another one is we have to get to the point where we are actually trusting who Jesus is in the word of God. And so that goes for Hebrews eleven six. 6, you know, but without faith, it's impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So this man, there's no man literally seek Jesus and God rewarded him. Why? Because he believed in Jesus for who he was. Like he literally humbled himself in multiple ways, guys, right? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. God isn't pleased when you when you don't do those things, right? Uh-huh. So uh, another uh, point I had was the healing power. Yeah, the healing power was not in the physical presence of Jesus, but in his word and distance was not an obstacle to the success of his word, right? So you talked about distance, Justin, so I wanted to point that out. Then my last point is since Jesus is absent from us, we can't call him to come physically in our sick rooms like he did with the disciples, right? To come to our workplaces, our offices, and gymnasiums. Like, yeah, we have his presence, but you guys get what I'm saying, like physically, if I can touch him, right? So, yeah. but we have his word and he challenges us to apply it to our needs, resting on his promise to meet them, right? So, yeah, all right. So I'm ready to go to the next verses. I don't have much to say on these, so that's why I was going crazy on those. Yeah, all the, yeah most of it was like before. Right. So 51 of John chapter four. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thou son liveth. So his servant, it doesn't say how far the servants traveled to meet him. It doesn't say if the nobleman was already there, you know, or close there, or the servants was closer to him, you know. Mm-hmm. But they met each other, right? And then to give him the good news that thou son is healed, man, that son liveth. Man, like just like Jesus said, right? Go that way, thou son liveth. Like thou son liveth, man. So, <laughs> so his faith was confirmed. So we must obey God in order to see God. That's my point I had with that, man. Like this no man, imagine he just didn't leave. Like, I'm pretty sure his servants still would have met him, but it would have been a different experience, man. Like strengthening his faith, trying to show him, man, you got my word, you got my promise. Your son liveth. You can go. You don't got nothing to worry about. So I'm pretty sure he got the peace of God because the next few verses is going to talk about how it's going to talk about that. I'll just wait to talk about it. But do you have, do you have anything else for verse 51? Uh, I don't, not for 51. No, not really. All right. So I like great touchdown. All right. So verse 52, then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. Justin, can you imagine he didn't ask that question? Mm-hmm. 
he would have missed out on seeing another right yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's right that's such an important detail just to show because he probably thought like jesus would heal him gradually i don't know it depends yeah. on like stories were but i bet he didn't think i don't know because he didn't even think jesus could heal from a distance surely he didn't think like he, jesus could heal instantaneously either yeah right because that's what it sounds like man so then he acquired he of them the hour when he began to man and they said unto him yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him so that part is so powerful because there's two ways of looking at it i said it a little off during the sunday school lesson because i didn't know my notes but now i know it a little bit so in the Jewish method, so the first alternative is uh, in the Jewish method, one o'clock in the afternoon is the afternoon time for the Jews. So uh, um, the seventh hour, because the beginning time, the beginning of the day started off with 6 a.m. That was the first hour in the uh, Jewish time period. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jewish time method or whatever. So the seventh hour again will be one o'clock, right? So that means he had time to go back to you know, meet his servants to, you know, come quickly to see if his son was okay. So he could have made it home that same day, right? Yeah. So the second point is, um, the second alternative, a picture I think God wants us to see, is the Roman method of time. Time. So that means the seventh hour would be seven in the evening, right? This is it doesn't matter it just means that it was it would be seven in the evening that's when the sun got better so that means it was nighttime I would have went to sleep right instead of traveling mm -hmm. back during nighttime right 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 okay Which, yeah yeah i read about that as well i'm glad you were uh i'm glad you were touching up on that yeah so and that says that you know this guy literally slowed down you remember i said earlier you know jesus is never in a rush like this guy literally slowed down yeah and was had the peace of God. Like the race was over for him, man. Like at first he was fearful, worried and anxious and frantic, but now he has the rest of God. He he literally let go and let God. And so that's the life application. Here goes a few questions for you guys. Can you imagine a life where you just let go of every frantic pursuit? Mm. Like, can you imagine if your life, in your life right now, if you just stop chasing and you start replacing all the chasing with listening to God and trusting in God? Right. And then can you imagine a life where you find joy in the waiting? So, yeah, God already told you what he feels about you. He already told you what he's doing in your life. He already told you your future. Now, now you need to step out and walk by faith. And that's literally what this guy did. I forgot to say that. But when Jesus gave him a word, what did he do? He stepped out by faith. He walked by faith. He literally he literally walked it out. Right. Walk it out like the, like the song. Like So, yeah, man. So. Here goes my last point, you know, therefore, the more frantic and chaotic your circumstances, the greater your joy, right? God's going to give you frantic and chaotic and awful situations in life. Let's just call it like it is. But he is your joy. He is your peace. He already knew that situation was coming. All you got to do is go to him. So are you seeking Jesus in all your all your situations that you're going through in life, man? So, all right. So that's verse 52. You ready to go to 53? Yeah. All right, so verse 53, so the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said unto him, thou son liveth, and he himself believed in his whole house. Yeah, so I kind of jumped ahead by accident and said what I wanted to say for this verse, just that the miracle, the um, that's the power of healing, mm -hmm. that it doesn't just stay inward. It's, it's like a very outward thing. Man, we've said the verse so many times of like, 
Christians should be like a light on the hill or the salt of the earth. Like we should be spreading this stuff. And these verses actually show how much of an impact Jesus had on not just one man, but like his entire household. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite songs we used to sing in church. I I don't think I've talked about it with you before, but um, it's songs that the lyrics are, you know, said, I wasn't going to tell nobody, but I couldn't keep it. Couldn't keep it. What the Lord has done for me. Do you know that song? Yes, I have heard of that one. What? I can't believe you know that song. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So the song's called, you know, Couldn't Keep It to Myself, man. Like when God's been good to you, when good things happen to you, when good things happen in your life, you tell people, right? So when mm-hmm. God, if you really know God, if you really feel his presence and you know who he is, you all you all you feel is goodness and mercy because goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord, Amen. So like you're always in the house of the Lord, you're always in the presence of God. So you gotta tell somebody else, man. That happiness and the joy that He fills you with, the peace, man. You can't help but tell somebody else, man. Man, that is a good sermon. So man, like, dude, this is a life of faith. Like it should be so influential. You should be so happy, so at peace, so filled with His joy and happiness that it should just affect other people right? Your conviction in the Lord should just motivate other people to know him. Your walk with the Lord in everything that you do for the Lord should just really question why other people are living the way that they live in and how they should be living like you, like, and know your God so they can know what they should do, right? Uh-huh. So, and it all started with a mustard seed of faith for this nobleman. Like, at the very beginning of this story, this nobleman literally took a 20-mile trip just to see a man named Jesus. Uh-huh. That was the first step. Yeah, he took a twenty mile trip. Like, and we—it's not an airplane. It's not a car. You, they didn't have cars. Like, come on, they—they they have to travel. Like, we just went hiking, Justin. And I told everybody at the church how awful it was going uphill, uh, and we yeah. did seven miles total. Like, <laughs> so was twenty miles. Miles? What are you saying? Was it seven miles? Yeah, total. Like the or whole day, like seven miles. Okay. Yeah, for you, like I mean, Justin didn't break a sweat, guys. He was in jeans, oh, no, in jeans for a hike. Sweat's so easy. Sorry, go on though. What were you saying? I don't remember, but yeah, like one of the points I have about faith of much seed is, you know, when it is sincere, a little faith can accomplish great things. Like this, no man's faith accomplish great things, and God will work out great things in your life if you just believe, man. Just that's the start. That's the basis. It all starts with faith. It all starts with believing in Jesus and what he can do, man. So don't live in him. That's what we've been talking about all during the lesson, through everything we've been saying. And then also, my last point is a confirmed faith results in a strengthened faith, right? This man, because he asked, he kept on asking questions. In this Christian life, you have to ask questions. You need to ask God, why is everything working the way that it does? Why should I believe in this? You know, why should I do this? Why, you know, ask questions. So you can see God at work because God's going to give you the answer. We miss out on so many blessings and so much revelations and just so much that God is doing because we don't ask. Like imagine if the no man didn't ask, you know, what hour did he get better? Yeah, That's another thing he would have missed. Like <laughs> he would have missed out on another reason to praise God. And his whole household may have not have been saved from him asking that one question. Yeah. Right. And that's the whole point. We need to know. We got to be ready in season and out of season to give people a reason for our faith. And if you're not ready, you're going to miss that opportunity to save a whole entire household, right? Mm-hmm. Like, man, this is so powerful, man. Yeah, man, that is something <laughs> about. Like, so many people's lives could have taken a very different course if he didn't come to Jesus. Yeah.
And then uh, I said it was my last point, but here go another one. Whole families have to make individual decisions for Jesus Christ. So, yeah, the whole household was saved, but they had to believe for themselves. Like, and that's the judgment day for everybody. We're going to be judged and held accountable by God for our own works, for our own lives, and that's it. It's just you on judgment day. Nobody else. So it's your your works. I mean, your your judgment isn't dependent on what your mama did, your dad, no matter if they're pastors or not. Any of your family members doesn't isn't your faith, your walk, your your walk, your work ain't tied in with what your pastor did or your church accomplishments. Because some people go to the mega church and everything like that. Your faith, and you will be judged on what you did and what you believe, Jesus Christ, right? So it's all dependent on you, everybody individually, right? So even though it says like the man, the man believed in his household, that means they believed individually, like they had a right relationship with God for themselves. So are you the same way or is your faith dependent on a pastor or your church of consciousness or something like that? So, all right, are you ready to go to verse uh, 54, Justin, and end up the lesson? Yeah, I'm ready when you are. All right, I think I'm done. So this is again, so John chapter four, verse 54, this is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judea into Galilee. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> now, I, I, yeah, uh, not much to say about that besides that we haven't already said. Just yeah. like Galilee is just a very important part of Jesus's ministry as well. It's like where he laid down a cornerstone when his mother asked him to, uh, perform the miracle by turning water to wine. And now again, this nobleman is asking Jesus as well. I think that's important because these are, Galilee is a place that they, they were very welcoming of Jesus, but maybe they didn't understand his full extent. But you have these select stories of Jesus's mom and this nobleman who are very well aware of what he is capable of right that's why these stories are given more attention um in order just to show that there are diamonds in the rough like there are people who know what jesus is about and those are the people he concentrates on yeah man you just said something powerful man i'm happy you said that so you know they say in comment in some commentaries you know it's possible that the no man had witnessed some of the miracles that jesus did and that's how he knew to go to Jesus. And mm -hmm. so one of the points I had was, you know, but witnessing God's work in our lives and in, in the lives of others is not sufficient for us to receive his blessing. Mm. Right. So you can't live off what other people say that God did for them or anything like that. Like, yeah, you can't because that's the Bible. Like we could take God at his word. But you got to you got to take the leap of faith yourself. You got to live by faith yourself. Right. God wants to. You know what God done for others, He wants to do for you too, right? So that's the whole point of this Christian life. Like in this story, you know, we, we must take the step of faith ourselves. This nobleman, he did that. He he's showing in the Christian life, like you know, he experienced faith because of his personal encounter with Jesus, right? He had to go to Jesus himself too, right? And so do you. So do I. Like so. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm happy you pointed that out. And then also. Justin, we got to say this. You know, I'm going to be remiss. I think that's the word. I'm gonna be, I'll be remiss if I don't say this. So uh, we got to read John chapter 4, verse 45. I told you uh, I skipped it. You remember? And I should have okay. read it. So John, yeah, this is perfect because it ties in with the whole lesson, what you said at the end and just ended the lesson. So in John chapter 4, verse 45, it says, Then when 
he was come into Galilee. So when Jesus came into Galilee, the Galileans received him, right? So this is the place we're talking about. In Cana of Galilee, the Galileans received Jesus. Haven't seen, why? Because haven't seen all the things that he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they also went unto the feast. So what does that mean, received though, right? So I'm gonna talk about that. So one of the points I had was knowing who Jesus is and agreeing who Jesus is is not enough, right? So the point of this story is not the miracle. A lot of people get it twisted and they're just focused on the son being healed. It's not the point of the story out of everything we've been saying, right? There's something greater at work. God's working behind the scenes and he's he's showing us something. God has something to offer us in this story, right? And it is him. That's the whole point of the story. It's him, you know, believing in Jesus, Jesus, right? So most of the time we come to Jesus only when we want things. And what's sad is it's Christians that do that, you know, People that are in the church, they do that a lot, right? We only come to Jesus when we want something. We only come to Jesus because he could do something for us, right? And so the Galileans welcomed Jesus. That's what it says, right? But did they really welcome Jesus, right, the way that Jesus Jesus should have been welcomed? Like, did they welcome Jesus as the Messiah? Did they welcome Jesus as the Son of God? You know, did they put their trust in Jesus for their salvation? That's all. That's all a no right there, right? So. They welcome they only welcomed Jesus because of what he could do, you know. They didn't they weren't interested in his deity or him as a person, who he was, right? And they only welcomed Jesus because he was a miracle worker. He did signs and wonders to be entertained, and yeah. because they could benefit from him from yeah. him, right? And a lot of people are like that today, right? So they only wanted things from him. That's what he meant when he said signs and wonders, right there. Like yeah. in verse 48. So <laughs> that's how people in Corinth, yeah, that's how people in Corinth were kind of like too. Mm-hmm. saw him as like christianity as a stepping stone yeah and so that's the questions i have for you to end off the lesson you know what do you want from jesus you know yeah. do you r- really care about knowing him loving him staying with him and abiding in him etc you know do you pray about him you know i mean do you uh, what do you pray to him about right do you mostly only ask for things and then my fourth question is do you only care about what he could do for you and not really growing in love and fellowship with your Lord and Savior? Do you not really care about your relationship with God? How is your relationship with God? Do you, is it a perfect relationship? Do you do all the talking because you only ask for stuff, you don't ever listen to him? Or do you only read his word and you never talk to him yourself, uh-huh. right? So like, it's a relationship. Two, it takes communication. Some yeah. of y'all suck in your relationships in life because you don't communicate with each other. And you can't do that with God. Like, come on, it's God. Like, you kidding me? And so, John chapter 20, verse 30 through 31. It's one of my favorite verses because it literally points why John wrote everything he wrote. Like John's gospel out of all of them, literally talking about Jesus. It To me, it talks about Jesus the most, right? It's literally telling you who Jesus is, why he came here. He, you know, why you should put your put all your faith in him for your salvation and all that stuff. So John chapter 20, verse 30 through 31 says, and many other signs truly did Jesus, Jesus, I mean, many And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. This is why we see all the miracles. This is why this story is here as well. And this is why John wrote what he chose to wrote in this uh, epistle, in this gospel, because he could have wrote a lot of other stuff. Jesus did many other signs and wonders, like he said. But he said these were written so that we might know who Jesus is, right? And might Mm -hmm. believe in Jesus Christ because he's the son of God. 
And when you believe him and for who he is and accept him for who he is and not for who you want him to be, not for what you want him to do, not for signs and wonders or for what, you know, and for what your benefit, you know, <laughs> you come humbly before him, you know, then you might have life and life more, more abundantly through his name. Right. Mm -hmm. So, man, salvation is, is his name. It's in his name. You know, hope is in his name. Motivation is in his name. Goodness is in, in his name. Happiness is in his name. I keep on going. Everything is in Jesus's name. So this is why this story is here, man. So, yeah, man. Uh, and it, it's for our belief as well. Right. So every sign, every wonder, every miracle, every action had a point and had a purpose. And why, you know, it's for your belief so that you will believe to give you more confidence and confirmation for what you believe in man. so yeah and you don't have to wait right that's the thing like a lot of people think like uh they have to wait to experience this right like, you can experience this right now fine or something like that yeah yeah or when they're the Bible dead says <laughs> if, you, if you if you seek him you'll find him sometimes mm -hmm. we have to like put ourselves out there first yeah oh man just that talks about the nobleman man imagine he didn't uh, go to jesus did. i didn't even yeah, I, I just caught that when I said it. It totally about <laughs> the nobleman. <laughs> man, this story is so powerful, man. We're just going in. I'm so happy we did this, man. Mm. I'm so happy, man. But yeah, that's the lesson, guys. I pray everybody enjoyed it, man. It's late on our end. It's 9.29 p.m. Justin normally goes to bed at 6 p.m. I'm just kidding. No, he doesn't. Oh, man. <laughs> Wake up at 5 a.m.? I think yeah. that's what you guys think I do. All right, but I'm going to share my screen, tell everybody about our social media pages and not the video. But thanks for helping me out, Justin. Um, of course. All right, everybody. So here, you know the drill, man. Make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Upload Past Crossroads. I also have a podcast. I'm on every podcast platform you can think of, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you name it. So type in my YouTube channel name, Upload Past Crossroads, and you'll find my podcast. So. Uh, I'm a little behind on uploading videos to that, but I got you guys soon. Uh, follow, befriend me on my Facebook and LinkedIn, Sean Christopher Jenkins. My Twitter, Snap, Instagram, and TikTok, Trouble Don't Last. And my other Instagram page, my underscore daily, my underscore daily underscore Bible. And then my Tumblr, Trouble Don't Last number one. And again, this is my YouTube channel, Upload Past Crossroads. Subscribe. Make sure to click that bell after you subscribe so you can get you uh, get notified anytime I upload another video because I just uploaded one right now. Make sure to like and comment on all my videos. If you have any questions, DM me on my Facebook page, on my LinkedIn page, Twitter, whatever you want, whatever is your cup of tea. And me and Justin will do a video on any questions that you have. And again, this is Justin's YouTube channel, uh, Chaplain Logs. So make sure to subscribe to his YouTube channel. Click that bell. This is what I'm talking about. So get notified anytime you upload another video and make sure to like all his videos and comment and then this is his facebook page so make sure to befriend him on there and then also guys y'all be praying for justin he's uh we got a wedding to go to uh yeah. his wedding is is your wedding saturday it's a saturday yeah yeah okay so his wedding this saturday and he let me be one of his men in the wedding i don't know what to call him bruise man i think yeah <laughs> yeah that's right It'd be funny if I would have said bridesmaid i'm a guy yeah. i don't care i don't care for weddings like that so <laughs> But yeah, but yeah, so y'all pray for him. Happy long marriage, 90 years at least. And uh, yeah, and the wedding becomes a success and everything. You don't have to stress out about anything like that. So. Yeah, so thanks for this video, guys. Thanks for uh, watching. I saw a lot of people were watching today. So yeah, make sure to share it and everything like that. But you guys have a blessed week and we'll be coming with you with other videos soon. So talk to you guys later.